common mistake of mine, I'm sorry. It goes with this. Beauty, the beautiful words that Charles Wesley has written. So, there we are. I'm sorry I haven't got a male voice choir to sing it for you, but... You're a male voice choir all on your own, Jim. <laughs> Give me the faith that can remove And sink the mountain to a plain Give me the childlike praying love Which longs to build thy house again Thy love, let it my heart o'erpower And all my simple soul devour My love, let it my heart for power and all my simple soul devour. I want an even strong desire. I want a calmly fervent zeal to save poor souls out of the fire and much them from the verge of hell, and turn them to a pardoning God, and quench the bronze in Jesus' blood, and turn them to a pardoning God, and quench the bronze in Jesus' blood. I would the precious time redeem and longer live for this alone to spend and to be spent for them who have not yet my Saviour known. Holy on these my mission prove, and only breathe to breathe I love. Holy on these my mission prove, and only breathe to breathe I love. My talents, gifts, and grace is Lord, into thy blessed hands receive, and let me live to preach thy word, and let me to thy glory live. My every sacred moment spend in publishing the sinner's friend, my every sacred moment spend in publishing the sinner's friend. Enlarge, inflame, and fill my heart with boundless charity divine. So shall I all my strength exert 
and love them with a zeal like thine, and lead them to thy open side, the sheep for whom the shepherd died, and lead them to thy open side, the sheep for whom the shepherd died. Stories of him. This is a made-up story. Is uh, his hero uh, is there in the kitchen, and his wife and son are outside, very concerned, because through the door, all they hear is. If you don't move, I'm going to straighten you up, you paperclip. Of course, what he was doing is he had read that bit in the Bible where Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can take, tell this mountain to move and throw into the sea and it will do it. And he thought, well, mountains are pretty big. I'll start small with the paperclip. And he couldn't get it to move. <laughs> faith is an interesting thing, isn't it? It's it's one of those words that we use a lot, that we throw out a lot, but, but that it's difficult to actually describe what faith actually is. And I, I suspect that a lot of us use faith in the wrong way. We use the word faith in a way that the Bible doesn't actually use the word faith. Um, it was interesting when Pam said, can you give me a verse about faith? And she and I were talking about it and saying, there's actually very few instances in the Bible where we are given a definition of faith. Most of the time it's just descriptions of what faith does, what faith looks like. In fact, most of Hebrews, most of what Pam read was descriptions, examples of faith. Which is actually pretty handy because an example tells us so much more than a dictionary definition. A dictionary definition just gives us, you know, just a sentence but an example fleshes that out and tells us what it actually looks like. A little while back, uh, Brett, Jake, and myself went rock climbing. You didn't know you were being in the sermon today, did you, Brett? <laughs> um, we went down to Mandurah. There's a rock climbing, indoor rock climbing center there. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We went down. They gave you the rope. They gave you the harness. They said, right off you go. And, and as, I, as I stood there, I realize now that, that I was actually being asked to put faith in the rope. And I looked at the rope and it seemed pretty good quality. It was good quality rope. Yeah, the, the instrument seemed pretty good. You know, the harness, it wasn't rusty and about to break or anything like that. I, I trusted the rope. But if you think about it, there's something else I had to trust. If you know about rock climbing, your rope goes up. You climb the rock and your, your friend is behind you making sure you don't die when you fall. Because being tied to a rope is no good if there's not something holding the other end of the rope. Especially you get to the top, or as far up as you can go, and you go, I'm coming down now. You don't climb down the wall, you just lean back into space and trust that your friend is going to, you know, not get distracted by his phone or something. Because if he does that and the equipment is fail, uh, fails, you are liable to, to have a, a much more interesting day than you anticipated with a trip to the hospital. I did trust the rope, I did trust Brett, and I did survive. Give Brett a round of applause. Well done, Brett. 
I had good reasons to trust in the rope. It looked good. I, I had good reasons to trust Brett. I've, I, I, have, um, I have never yet suspected that Brett has a secret desire to see me dead. Um, on the basis of my interactions up until that point, I thought this is a pretty safe bet. There's some people I probably wouldn't go rock climbing with because they, especially if you've just had a big fight with someone, don't ask them to belay you on a rock climbing wall. Not a good idea. Even then, I'd probably trust them because I know what would happen if they let go of me. You know, for some people, having faith in rock climbing gear and your rock climbing body is one thing. But they think of faith in God as something totally different. Uh, A lot of people today would argue that faith is an irrational, unjustified belief where there is no evidence to do so. Faith is believing when you have no evidence on which to base your belief. Faith, for them, if we take it back to rock climbing, is going to a rock climbing place, keeping your eyes closed, not knowing what the condition of the rope is, not knowing anything about that, not knowing who's going to belay you, not knowing if they're going to belay you. They might not even be there. You just climb the wall and go, Calabunga! And hope that there's somebody to catch you. That's the way our world looks at faith. Um, Some person said, uh, faith is believing what you know to not be true. That's what people think. Is faith a blind leap into the unknown despite the fact that everything says that's stupid? Sometimes that's the way the world looks at it, but sometimes that's the way us Christians look at it as well. Have you heard of the secret? I'm trying. Have you heard of the secret? Um, Oprah Winfrey, I think, uh, made a big deal of the secret. The secret is, if you think positive, you get positive. If you think you're going to get a jet, you're going to get a jet. If you think Ferrari, you'll get a Ferrari. This is, this is, it's so true, isn't it? You can even go to the shops, Taryn and I went, there's a children's book version of The Secret about if your dog gets lost, you just need to think about your dog coming home. And then it doesn't, and then you're sad. The the idea of The Secret is if we wish for something long enough, we get it, we become that. And, you know, there's a little bit of truth in that, that, you know, if, if you are thinking positively, then you tend to be more positive, and if you think negative, you tend to be more negative. But there's a very little bit of truth and a whole lot of garbage when it comes to the secret. Whatever you hope for will happen. Rubbish. But, then we turn to our Bibles and we go, well, let's get some good Christian uh, answers to all of this. And we go, I know a a chapter on faith. Uh, Pam read it to me. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You know, if, if you read just chapter 11 verse 1, It sounds a great deal like the secret, doesn't it? Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Ferrari, 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 Ferrari. And confidence in what we don't yet see. 
But the thing is, verses in the Bible should never be taken out of context. What, what the writer to the Hebrews is looking at here isn't, isn't saying, whatever you wish for, whatever you hope for, you will get. He's saying, faith is, is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. What is it that we hope for? And the Bible, the message of the Bible, the message of the Hebrews is that we hope for God and God's kingdom. We hope for that which something, which someone else has promised us. We hope for what God has said he will give us. Faith is confidence about what we hope for. I put my faith in bread. I was confident that I hoped when I let go of the wall, I wouldn't crash to the ground. If I didn't have faith in bread, I would never have let go of the wall. I would have somehow clambered down. By the way, if, if there's one thing you should take away from this, this sermon, it's that bread is reliable. That, that's not the takeaway. <laughs> faith is trusting God with my life. Faith is leaning back and relying on God to be, to be faithful. And verse 6 says that, that if we're going to do that, we have to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. But why should we trust that God exists? Why, why should we take him at his word? It's easy to say, because I have faith. But if you define faith in terms of having faith, you actually haven't done anything except confuse everyone in the room. The, the reason we, we trust God, the reason we should take him at his word, is because there is evidence that points to his trustworthiness. The world looks at faith, Christian faith, all faith, and says faith is believing despite the evidence, despite a lack of evidence maybe. We say no, faith is believing based on the evidence. Based on the evidence. How do we know that God exists? Well, Romans chapter 1, uh, go home and read it this afternoon, uh, speaks about um, uh, creation giving testimony to the fact that there is a creator. Hints at it. And if there is a God, then it makes sense to seek him. And, and Hebrews 11 speaks about people who have sought God, who have said, I want to follow God, and, and trusted God. And, and people who found out that when they trusted God, God turned out to be trustworthy. And we hear something of their stories. Cain and Abel uh, probably knew something about God from conversations over the dinner table with their parents. Um, Abel was convinced that God deserved his best. They both gave an offering to God. Abel gave of the best. Cain just gave whatever he felt like giving. And, and God accepted Abel's stuff. Uh, Cain got a bit miffed at God, killed Abel because, you know what, God's difficult to kill. And so, and so God said, what are you doing? What are you doing, Cain? Sin's trying to take hold of you. And Cain said, I'm going I'm to do this. I'm angry. But, but the thing is, is not that Cain killed Abel. The thing is that Abel trusted God. And even though he died, we still have this lesson of, 
of a man who trusted God. Did, did he trust in vain? Did his trust end up costing him his life? Yes. But he pleased God, who is eternal, and, and we will see him one day. Abraham had his experience of God saying to him, go to a different land, Abraham. I, I don't know how Abraham first encountered God. We're, we're not told. Uh, but, but what we do know is that somehow Abraham was convinced that he had encountered a supernatural being who wanted to bless him, who wanted to, to be kind to him, and, and that, that leaving was the very best thing to do, the wisest thing to do. And Abraham goes, and, and Abraham is a man of incredible trust and faith. Uh, by the way, faith and trust, they use the words interchangeably because that's what they are. They're interchangeable. Um, Abraham trusts God, and we looked at his story a, a little while back. He trusts God, and then he goes, actually, I don't think that's very wise of me to trust God. And then he goes, well, actually, it was wise to trust God. And then he trusts God, and then he goes, well, uh, it's getting tough now, so I'll pretend I don't trust God. And then he trusts God, and, and, but, but there's an upward slope, and, and eventually we find Abraham getting to the point where, where God says, you're going to have a son, Abraham. And Abraham says, have you met my wife? She's a lovely lady, slightly old. And Sarah's going, yes, I am. What, 70 and 90-ish. But they decide they're going to trust God. Uh, Isaac, their child, wasn't an immaculate conception. They had to actually trust God and do something about it. And with each time that they trusted God, they found out that God is trustworthy. Till we find the story of, of Abraham being willing to sacrifice his own son. Because he reckoned that if God said something, God would come true on that something. He didn't understand how, but on everything that he knew of God, he said, I'm going to trust him. He's come through on everything else that he said. I'm going to trust him on this as well. It's easy for us to, to think that God just expects us to blindly trust him. That God's up there going, just trust me, just, just trust me. And God does say, just trust me. But, but he says, just trust me on the basis of what I've done. Trust me on the basis of the evidence. You know what, if the evidence against God stacks up so much that we can say God is not trustworthy, then you and I are fools if we continue to be Christians. If the evidence says that God is not to be trusted, that God isn't there, that God isn't good, then we would be fools to be Christians. The problem is people come to us and challenge us and and. and point things out, you know, contradictions in the Bible, uh, questions about the age of the earth, questions about evil in the world, and they say, ha, 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 how do you know that? And, and us Christians, all we, we say, ah, go, uh, 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 I have faith. Ah. Little halo above your head arrives. You know what, that's a cop-out. That's not using faith the, word, the, the way the Bible uses the word faith. Faith isn't, I don't understand. Faith is, on the basis of what I do understand, I trust. 
Faith isn't afraid of the tough questions. Faith is willing to look at the tough questions and say, I'm going I'm to investigate that. If you come up to me and say, Nick, next time you go rock climbing with bread, I just should let you know that every other person that he's gone rock climbing with has landed up in hospital. Uh, you are the exception. And he stabs him on the way down as well. If you say that to me, I've got to go, that, that, that's interesting information. I'm going to think about that, weigh up the evidence. And if 14 of you come and say, Brett killed my mate rock climbing, I'm going to probably think about whether I'm going to go rock climbing with Brett. If you come to me and say, Nick, God can't be this, or, or Nick, God is that, then I'm going to have to go, you know what, I'm going to have to think about that. You're challenging my faith. But here's the thing, if God is trustworthy, then God must be trustworthy. If we cannot ask questions of our trust in God, if we cannot question our faith, if we're too scared of being challenged, then our faith is defective. If our faith cannot stand the rigorous test of the world and the rigorous test of those around us, then our faith is defective. Because God doesn't just say, you know what, just trust me without evidence. God says, trust me based on the evidence. Let me just, as an aside, say that that isn't saying, trust me because I've given you proof. God doesn't give us so much evidence that we can all say absolutely there is a God and he is good and we love him and he's fantastic. If God gave us so much evidence, so much proof, then everyone would be a follower of God. God says I give you the evidence that you need. There is enough evidence for you to trust me. But you have to trust me. Why? Because you're still at the top of the wall and you haven't fallen down yet. You have to trust me because you are still living in this earth and are waiting for the day when my kingdom comes. You have to trust me because the promises that I've made are yet to be fulfilled. Because I've said things to you and, and made these claims to you that I am your God, that I will look after you, that I forgive you, that I'm good to you, and you've got to hold on to that because I have not yet brought you home to myself. And people say, well, why would you trust God on that? Why would you trust God on that? Well, the answer is pretty clear, isn't it? We, we trust God on the basis of what he has done. And, and by the way, faith isn't just something that we believe. As much as I love that song, we believe, we believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in the Holy Spirit that has given us new life, we believe. It's wonderful to believe. Can you throw James up for us, Wayne? James chapter 2, verse, uh, I think it's 18 and 19. Uh, it says here, well, congratulations for believing. That's really good stuff. You believe there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe that. 
A lot of that song could be sung by demons. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. He hasn't given us new life. In fact, we hate Him. But we believe in Him. Faith is more than just what we believe. Faith is putting that into practice. If I stand at the rock climbing wall and I say, I believe that my rock climbing buddy is going to keep me safe. And he looks at me and he says, when are you going to climb? I say, I believe you're going to keep me safe. And he says, yeah, but what about climbing? And I say, I believe that you're going to keep me safe. Eventually he's going to go and have a coffee. Because faith means I've actually got to get up onto the wall. Faith acts. There's some stories. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 9, there's, there's a story of uh, Jairus comes to Jesus, says, my daughter's dead. Why don't, you come and, why don't you come and save her? I believe that you can make her well. You know, he believed it, and then he left his house where his daughter was dead. He walked to Jesus. He said, would you come and do something? And on the way, there's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years who is not allowed to go in public. The law said she wasn't allowed to. She says, I know that Jesus can make me well. And she reaches out to touch touch him, and she's made well. And Jesus turns to her and says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Your trust in me has healed you. Would she have been healed if she sat at home going, I believe that Jesus can make me well? No, she'd be sitting at home talking to herself, probably be thought of even more weirdly than she was. The heroes of the faith that we read of in, in Hebrews 11 were those who acted based on what God said. Rahab, the prostitute. If you know the, the story of Jericho, the Israelites crossing over the land, that they've had this incredible experience of God feeding them in the wilderness, giving them water. There's been a pillar of fire, a, a cloud. There's been crossing the Red Sea in the previous generation. They've experienced something of God's goodness. They know that God is able to do incredible things. And when God says, walk around, you know, walk around the town a few times, uh, they go, well, that doesn't make sense. But You know what, if you say it, God, we're going to trust you because you've come through and everything else. And they walk around, they walk around, and they give a shout on the last day, and all the walls come tumbling down. God proved to be trustworthy. Rahab's inside, she looked after some spies when they came in, and and she hid them. She said to them, hey, I've heard the stories about your God. I've heard what your God has done. I've seen the stuff. In fact, we all know the stories. Everybody over there thinks that, you know, your God's God's okay, but he's he's not as strong as our wall. But I, I think differently. I think your God is going to actually win. I put my trust, I put my faith in him over us. Look after me. She put her faith in God. And the walls came tumbling down, and of all the people in the city, the people who survived, Rahab and her family, because they actually trusted God. Everyone else in the city believed that God would win, but they didn't actually say, and I'm going to throw myself on his mercy. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing the good news about Jesus. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that Jesus is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus makes some claims. Jesus claims 
to be the one who can forgive sins. Jesus makes some claims that he is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who will be coming back on the clouds. Jesus claims that if we put our trust in him, then we will be with the Father forever. Jesus claims that he can heal the sick and give sight to the blind, and and he claims to be able to tell the wind and the waves to shush when they're noisy. Jesus claims to offer life, real life, eternal life, knowing God. On the cross, Jesus claimed that he could give a thief pardon. Many people don't trust Jesus. Many people reject his claims outright. They say, well, we just don't think that the evidence backs it up because that's not how life works. Many people reject God outright. They, they don't think there can be a God. Hebrews says Jesus is the champion of our faith. And he's champion because of all the heroes of faith, Jesus is the one who trusted his Father the most. God become man who, who went onto a cross. He was willing to endure the cross. And found that God is absolutely trustworthy because God raised him to life again. And now he's seated at the right hand of our Father, interceding for us and, and speaking to us, saying, Trust me, I've been there, I've done it, I've gone ahead of you. Paul, who wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament, Paul was one of those who thought that Jesus was, you know, talking through his front teeth. He rejected Jesus. He, he thought Jesus' claims were absurd. He, he thought that, that thinking that Jesus was God was ridiculous, that there was no evidence for it, that there was no chance of that being true. Until he had a personal encounter with the champion of faith. And he was convinced by his own experience with God that, that God was real, that Jesus was God. See, Jesus initiates our faith, our, our trust in God. It's something that starts with God. Faith, faith is a gift. We can only trust God if our eyes are opened to the fact that God is trustworthy. There's such a thing as confirmation bias. Have you ever heard of confirmation bias? Confirmation bias is, is a scientific term. Basically, you see what you want to see. If you think the world is flat, you find all the evidence for the world being flat. You might think of it this way. If you're driving along and you're thinking of buying a green Suzuki, all of a sudden there's nothing but green Suzukis on the, on the road. There's a confirmation bias there. You, you see what you want to see. And most of us want to see that God isn't there because, quite frankly, God, God claims to be in charge and we don't want that. But God, when, when he comes by his spirit and awakens new life in us, enables us to see all the evidence that has been in front of us already. Faith comes from hearing the good news. It's when people tell the story of Jesus that God, by his spirit, brings new life. 
You know, it's interesting. Paul didn't believe Jesus and then he encountered Jesus. And then he was able to argue for Jesus based on everything that he already knew. Paul went around telling people, hey, Jesus is God. He's the only way to know God. I, I've trusted him. You guys should trust him. Paul said, I know whom I've believed. I'm, I'm sure he's able to do what he's promised. And he said to everyone, you can trust him too. And they said to him, well, why should we, Paul? And he said, well, here's some reasons. And he argued and he debated. And he, and he said, here's the evidence. This is why I trust God. And God worked and, 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 and vindicated Paul and, and there were all sorts of things that the Holy Spirit did. But here's the thing. Faith, faith isn't believing despite evidence. Faith is believing based on the evidence of what God has done. And we see that all through history, right back from the year dot, through to the time of Paul, through to the time of Augustine, through to the time of Luther, through to the time of you and I today. What God has done. And the reason we should put our trust in Jesus, in God, is the, the fact that God has done some amazing stuff. And actually the evidence stacks up. See, the Bible doesn't say just trust. The Bible says trust on the basis of the evidence. You know why the gospel was written, the gospel of John? Have a look at John chapter 20, verse 30. It's really useful when John says, hey, this is why I've written this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 20. He says here, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miracle signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. They, they saw all these evidences, but they wrote these down so that you can continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. In other words, I wrote this stuff down so that you could have an evidence book to go, yes, that's why I trust him. Will people come and say, ha, what about this evidence? Of course they will. Should we listen to that? Of course we should. Here's the thing. If God is true, God's truth cannot be denied. The evidence is in. It's overwhelming. Faith is just saying, I trust based on what I know. Robin's testimony. Robin's testimony. Exactly that. Do I know absolutely that Brett doesn't take his phone out at the last minute and let go of the rope? No, but, but I trust him. Do I know, do I have absolute proof that God will keep his promise? No, because it hasn't happened yet. But on the basis of what God has done in the past, can we trust him? Absolutely. Pam.
Thank you, Nick. On the basis of what God has done, done in the past, can we trust him? Yes, absolutely, because of his great faithfulness. Let's stand and sing, Great is your faithfulness, O God my Father. Is that on? Yeah, I think that's on.